I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Andrew Price. 70, 70 episodes in, and now you're mixing it up. Welcome to Deep Cuts, a podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty-gritty, so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... Stardust Ranch. What is Stardust Ranch? Well, it's a place on the outskirts of Phoenix, Arizona. It has been a battleground for the paranormal for close to 30 years. It's a seemingly unassuming exterior that, in actuality, is home to a dual-wielding, machine-gun-toting ex-therapist and his former FBI investigator wife, who claim that they've been embroiled in an unending fight for their lives against aliens. It's also an extreme condiment from the late 90s that was created to compete with mayonnaise. It's definitely not barbecue sauce. It's absolutely fucking blood on this katana. People are strange. You find yourself sitting back and wondering, why the fuck are they doing the things they're doing? And no person exemplifies this paradigm more than the owner of Stardust Ranch in Buckeye, Arizona, outside of Phoenix. This man's name, John Edmonds. He and his wife, Joyce, he a former therapist and her a retired FBI agent, decided to enter their golden years by buying Stardust Ranch to raise horses. Well, things didn't exactly go as they planned. After they moved in and had some problems with the former owners leaving trash around the property, they then discovered a tall man with unkempt hair and a wild look in his eye. When John calmly explained to him that they had purchased the property, the man shifted just slightly, revealing that he was in fact holding a machete. After an awkward pause, the man said, you're going to regret this. There's monsters on this property and I killed them. He then promptly turned around and walked out into the desert, never to be seen again. As the couple relaxed into what they assumed would be a new era of tranquility and quiet peacefulness, they then began to notice strange happenings in the night sky. Unidentifiable shapes and lights would play across the night horizon, just out of view. They then began being haunted by nightmares of small gray aliens poking and prodding them in their sleep. And things took a turn. Their watchdogs, Rottweilers, turned up dead, completely incinerated, but in a mysterious way that didn't burn anything in the surrounding brush. And then John said, fuck it, hit the gas. Past the scene, things in the sky, when was the first kind of in-house um, experience that you had, or, or certainly on-ranch experience? Well, what we started seeing weird stuff around the perimeter of the ranch. Um, we started seeing these, I don't know how to explain it other than they look like giant Brillo pads, you know, pieces of steel wool that were dark colored, uh, that were like the size of, I mean, you know, big. I mean, they're like eight to 10 feet tall and, and you know, three or four feet wide, but they, they don't really look human, but they, they have a human shape or a, a humanoid shape let's put it that way and they'd just be out in the desert in the early evening or the early morning and I couldn't figure out what they were and you know gradually I started buying guns I mean that was sort of my one of my first thing that I thought was you know I guess that was kind of my way of dealing with the angst of the situation so you know I, think you meant I, anxiety. I started carrying a M16 around in my uh, truck 
And as I was around the property with this truck, you know, if I saw something, I didn't hesitate to go ahead and line up, line it up in my sights and, uh, you know, take a couple of pot shots at it. And, you know, I shot dead, dead into these things and they didn't flinch. They didn't move nothing. Uh, it was like the bullets just went right through them. And I thought, well, that's great. You know, not only have I got the range from hell, but I got the monsters that are bulletproof. So, <laughs> you know, it just, it just keeps getting worse and worse. Um, so I decided, you know, gradually I, I had one foot in the camp of, well, they're here and you can't do anything about it. So learn to live with it. And the other one was, damn it, I paid a lot of money for this place and it's my house and I, I'm not going to be, you know, inundated with a bunch of freeloading, you know, monsters. And uh, you know, I kind of went, went back and forth on that for quite a while. And, uh, you know, my wife became more and more anxious about the whole situation. And she kept saying, why don't we just move? You know, and I thought, you know what, I am not going to be run off my own property. And that's when I really started getting stubborn about it. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to arm myself and I'm going to go down swinging if I have to. This is why you don't trespass on private property. Not because the idea of owning property is inherently meaningful. It's because there are crazy motherfuckers out there who are just like shooting anything that they see that moves because they think it's a fucking alien. So there's a couple things that I want to talk about just to start this off, right? So John Edmonds was a therapist. He was a... Can you imagine... You've told this guy all of the problems about your divorce and your kids and how you hate one of your sons and how you just you killed a man in a vehicular manslaughter accident when you were high on cocaine and meth. And then that guy goes and buys a ranch and starts a one man war with aliens. (laughs) Your incredulousness implies that you don't realize that many therapists are terrible. I love the idea, though, that this guy is just like mild mannered, you know, living his life somewhere. I think he was in he lived in Chicago, living his life as a therapist in Chicago. And then one day he wakes up and decides, you know what? John Edmonds, personal therapist. I don't really like the ring of that. John Edmonds, murder therapist. Love the idea. Let's get some guns. It's more like John Edmonds, alien samurai. <laughs> Yeah, dude. It's like, what if D- Dog the Bounty Hunter just like started hunting predators? <laughs> I love it. I love the idea. I love him so much. Do you I, I, do you notice how so many... Of, I, I feel kind of bad because I feel like when we do these types of episodes, there's probably like X amount of people who listen to it thinking that we're going to be like talking about it for real, like we believe in it. And then they're just immediately disappointed when we're just like, this is fucking bullshit. Like, I kind of feel bad for the... For the uh, the the red pilled the people yeah the the people that are out there like true believers the the John what do you think John Edmonds fan base is called are they are they called alien samurais are they called samurai hunters like what the fuck do the, those guys call themselves uh, Ed munchers <laughs> Ed bangers yeah but the, so so I feel bad just coming out of the gate and just being like yeah this is fucking horseshit but. Do you ever notice how so many of these stories, so many of these claims, they just they skate by on the sheer lack of anybody giving enough of a shit to like check into anything? Because like, couldn't you just easily if you if anybody cared enough to debunk what this guy is saying, 
couldn't you just easily like look into the records of the ranch and say and see like was there a guy who was working on this ranch like 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 a groundskeeper because he says that he says that like when they moved in there was just a man and he was like i hunt monsters you're gonna regret this and then he just walked off into the sunset and disappeared if anybody actually gave enough of a shit couldn't you look into it and be like did the previous owner have any employees that were like working there until they sold it and then like this whole thing where he's like talking about how the aliens keep killing his dogs that implies that either he's lying or he's literally murdering dogs to like substantiate the story but if he's not murdering dogs which i'm gonna try to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's not murdering dogs to keep this kayfabe going couldn't you just be like oh did this where'd you buy the dogs at oh uh the arizona kennel and then you could be like hey did this guy does this guy like buy like 10 dogs a month like <laughs> like if anybody cared enough they could debunk this just by following paper trails and like really taking some of these claims he has to task that have like logistical loose ends to them but the, w- the way that these stories are able to just go on is because nobody cares enough to do that oh Baby girl, we're in the beginning stages of everything you just said. There is so much more yet to come. Uh, let's let's listen to to John Edmonds describing his first interaction with a gray. His close encounter. Close encounter of the swap meat bot katana kind. Yes, but also, isn't it is it close encounter of the second kind or the first kind? No, the because close encounter of the third kind is when you see a craft, right? Wait, no, no, it's it's so. Close encounters of the first kind, visual sightings of an unidentified flying object. So first kind is the seeing the the UFO, the craft. I had it, I had it backwards. Second kind is a UFO event in which a physical effect is alleged. This can be interference in the functioning of a vehicle or electronic device. So close, and then close encounters of the third kind is when you straight up get your butthole touched by a by a little green man. Yeah, when you're just like dapping a little gray dude on the side of the freeway. So this is his close encounter of the third kind. What I ended up doing was uh, my wife and I were in bed and, uh, you know, trying to get some sleep. And I slept on the side of the bed nearest the bathroom. And out of nowhere, it was probably, I don't know, maybe 11, 12 o'clock at night, maybe a little later. Um, I started feeling and sensing that there was something in the room with us. And I thought, man, that's weird. You know, there's, I mean, this is out in the middle of nowhere and, you know, the dogs are in the other room. There's, there's not a dog. There's something in this room. And I had taken uh, this little baseball bat, an aluminum baseball bat that's, that you usually give away on game day at, at some of the baseball parks. And it's about maybe two and a half feet long. And, uh, you know, it's a good little club. And so I stuck it in the, in the uh, sideboard of the bed and just to have something there in case. And all of a sudden, I felt this like bony, clammy hand or something touching my left wrist in the bed. And it's kind of like just like trying to kind of like walk up my, my uh, arm. Yeah, the mother was working here tonight. Yeah, and I thought to myself, okay, I'm definitely feeling this. I need to do something about this. So I reached down and I grabbed that baseball bat and I turned around and all of a sudden there was this face connected to the arm and the hand that was touching me. And I grabbed that little sucker and I popped him in the head as hard as I could. And he just 
fell backwards. And uh, then I noticed there were two more of these creatures that were right behind him off to the side. Well, all three of them just seemed like they were in total shock and they just disappeared. They just literally just bam, gone. We have identified these two humans as the only ones worthy of being saved from the oncoming destruction of planet Earth. Go, Glorp Glop. Go tell these beautiful people that we're going to save them from certain doom in the year 2022. Uh, excuse me? Oh, what the fuck? Fuck this. (laughs) Phase out. Fuck these guys. I, what do you think, what do you think drives someone to tell stories like this? Like, why, why, why does John Edmonds do this? I don't know. Yeah, it is so weird because it's like, I I don't want to jump ahead and get spoilery with the discussion of just, there's, there doesn't seem to be really like any kind of coherent grift to this. So like, what the fuck is the goal? But the one thing I, I thought of, of just listening to that was like, we've definitely talked about this on other episodes of the show, but one of the big indicators that somebody's lying is whenever they give too many un necessary details to something because they've created a story in their mind so as opposed to like remembering something they've actually like invented a script literally like a writer would write a a story so they don't know how to make it more realistic and make it more organic to how you would have a memory so when he's just like I got one of those aluminum bats, you know, those like short bats, three feet long, the kind that you get at like ballparks to whenever the home team wins. It's like, why would you say all that? Like you just say, I got a bat. I got a fucking bat. Don't give me the bat's life story. Yeah, I I don't know either. Like, so most of the, you know, we're we're about to go through kind of his, his arc you know the 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 bigger details so i'm not going to spoil anything but he he goes on press tours eventually and the all of these interviews that we're going to play are from his various press tours but you you gotta wonder though you gotta wonder because that that would be such a i mean yeah the implication is like because he has a book he wrote it he wrote a he co-wrote a book with a guy in air quotes co-wrote he's gonna make money from a book or whatever but like you gotta wonder if early on like that would have been such a that would have been such a risk and such like a just really sticking your neck out there to go all in on this as just a random guy having no idea of where this would pan out to really just go for this and be like, I'm just going to go full fucking pretending like I'm a alien samurai in hopes that maybe people give a shit and that I can maybe make money on a book someday. And also, like, it's, it's not like it was part of his identity prior to owning the ranch. Like, the kayfabe is that the ranch itself is plagued by ETs, and he has a convoluted explanation for it that we'll get into later, but it's it's not like I, John Edmonds, have been searching for, you know, I'm a UFOologist, or I've been searching for these things, and, you know, I've been ordained, or even like it was, in, or even if, like, a lot of UFO sightings and, and kidnappings and, you know, the missing time phenomenon and stuff like this... They're, they're random occurrences that happen where people are just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so the fact that it's specifically tied to a ranch in Buckeye, Arizona is so strange. Like, it's super, super weird. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe like, you know, he retired, like they retired from their careers and they, you know, and they, they retired out to Arizona, like a lot of uh, older people, particularly from the Midwest, do snowbirds, as they call them. 
And maybe they got out there and they were just like, I'm fucking bored. This was a mistake to retire. And like, this was just the thing that he thought, like, he thought of just like, this was the new chapter in his life that he decided to go on. The thing that's weird about it, though, to me, is that most of these people that have this type of obsession, there is a very strict dogma to them. And there's this kind of like wide eyed intensity that comes along with that. Like there's a there's a there's a guy named Dr. Matthew Johnson, who's uh, a therapist as well. I think he's a physical therapist, though. And he was a Bigfoot enthusiast who got radicalized by QAnon and developed this he he basically he had a Bigfoot hunting Facebook group of like 2000 people and he pretty rapidly a couple years ago pivoted the whole group to be about how there is a psychic Bigfoot who lives on another plane of existence who is invested in Trump staying in office and Dr. Matthew Johnson's whole thing is you know Zorth the the Bigfoot that is this character that he's obviously made up. There's no fucking psychic Bigfoot that cares if Trump is elected. But he says, like, he'll post these long YouTube videos, usually when he's driving. Also, it doesn't even make sense because Trump wanted to, like, roll back a bunch of protections of natural lands and national parks and stuff like that. Like, Bigfoot would have a vested interest in getting him out of office as soon as possible. Yeah. And so, but, but Dr. Matthew Johnson's a guy that's kind of like John Edmonds in that he's like a educated man in his, you know, whatever, middle age to late middle age. And with Matthew Johnson, it's pretty apparent what it is. Like, it's the kind of kid that when you're in school, in middle school, who has an imaginary best friend and like believes with every fiber of his being that that best friend is real and like tries to introduce you to the best friend on the playground. You know what I mean? Like that's the Matthew Johnson thing is he's just like this sad, lonely man. And like he'll post videos <laughs> about how the Council of Twelve, which is the the psychic big feats, um, they came and rummaged through their their garden or not their garden, their 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 trash uh, the night before and how they've left secret messages. And there's a lot of crossover too, in that he gets messages from Zorth when waking up and going to sleep. So there's the same thing of like, he was first contacted to him in, in his dreams. And, you know, that's kind of the same thing as this John Edmonds guy, where it's like, they were first kind of, they thought that these aliens were in their dreams, but then they realized ultimately they weren't in their dreams in real life. Um, the thing that we didn't play there is, he talks about how his wife, the first time they realized that they were real, in air quotes, is that his wife had a dream that a that a that a gray injected her arm in her sleep and they woke up and there was a little scar on her arm where she had dreamt the gray injected them and then they both like freaked out and like, what the fuck? Fucking Freddy Krueger rules. Right. Yeah. Maybe all therapists are just idiot liars. Yeah, it's just so, it's so, like with the Matthew Johnson thing, it's very apparent why. Ritalin is a street drug, Dave. Therapy is a grift. (laughs) Matthew Johnson, Matthew Johnson, he like runs these camps where he like has people pay thousands of dollars to come study psychic warfare with him to be ready to, you know, take the libs on and, and learn from Zorth and all that stuff. Like he, his is a grift. John Edmonds, I I don't know why he's doing this. Like I I there there doesn't really appear to be anything in it 
other than him selling his self-published book on Amazon. Like, Which, once again, I don't think he would have had the imagination to like think ahead about that when he started doing it. So it still doesn't account for that. It, is, it still doesn't explain. Like, I, I can't see where he would have started this long con all that time ago to maybe sell two books or whatever. Yeah. Like that's that's the only thing that doesn't check out. Like, obviously, I am I fascinated by this story? Fuck yeah. Am I interested in UFO phenomena? And do I think that maybe something is out there and maybe it's been on our planet? Yeah, I, I'm open to that. Do I think that it's at Stardust Ranch? And do I think that John Edmonds fucking murdered an, a gray with a samurai sword that he bought at like Walmart? I, that's pretty hard for me to believe, man. That's that's really difficult. Uh, I love the idea of just the the Greys like phasing back into their ship, and it's just it's just like uh, it's like Leon the Professional, where they just keep sending in the cops, and they just like all get killed, and then one makes it out, and he's like, "It's a bloodbath in there." <laughs> I want everybody. What? I want everybody. But everybody is just like four little, like three foot tall, naked gray alien guys. It's like, we only came with five and Zlomp Zlomp is dead. <laughs> and like the other thing that's fascinating to me about this is He's that- He's fucking dead. <laughs> the thing that's fascinating to me about this is that it's always just him. Like Joyce is included in the stories, but she's she never talks publicly about it. She's never on these interviews. She's never like- publicly out there she either clearly doesn't want to be involved in it or that's the kayfabe is that she doesn't want to be involved in it because she has been interviewed in a in a video but she's interviewed from the like she's sitting and you can only see her from like her like her uh chest down and her voice is her voice is distorted um to be lower which is kind of funny to me because it's like you're protecting your identity but your husband is just fully like i'm this is me this is my first and last name i live here at stardust ranch as if somehow it's like oh we gotta go find this guy it's like oh here's here's here he is and then also a woman that i have no idea who she is who is this oh i don't know oh checks out i've never seen her before so she must not be your wife Yeah, it's it's it. All of this is just so delightful to me, which kind of which kind of makes me lean towards I can't like there. there's two. There's either the scenario where they're that dumb that they just don't realize that, like, you can't protect your own identity if your husband divulges his full identity and where you live. So I I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt of thinking that they're not that dumb. So I can only lean towards the other option, which is this is all just kayfabe. Her wanting to like be unidentified is part of it to give it like a weird mystique. And then they just aren't, they just, they're the way that they did it just did make sense. I, I have no answers, but I think we should listen to him talking about decap- decapitating grays now because I fucking love this guy. You have to cut the antenna, is what I understand, or they put out what I can um, call a distress call or a phone home type call. Do you have any experience with maybe, um, with with i guess wounding one of them but not cutting the antenna what happens if you if you don't make that i guess that separation of the the head from the body well what happens is this uh, i've had dogs that have attacked these things uh because they got to them before i did and they actually just bit the holy living hell out of them i mean just chopped on them like a raw bone and unfortunately they have some kind of very acidic 
body fluid. I don't want to call it blood because it doesn't really look like blood. But uh, we had a Rottweiler that hacked off, you know, like a leg. And uh, when that happened, uh, within three days, the dog died. Uh, (laughs) I love how they reacted to that as if this story is true. Both of them just like, oh, that dog, poor dog. What was what was the dog's name? Fido? Oh, Fido, good boy. Good they boy, had like Fido. a visceral reaction as if this is not just a complete lie. Unfortunately, he hacked off the wrong part of him because if he bit his head off, then we would have had the body. But, right. you know, the Rottweiler, so he bit what he could get. And uh, unfortunately, the they just dis- disappear. It's kind of like they step back out of phase. Uh, and they're gone. That's it. You, you know, next. Isn't that frustrating for you of what you're... Well, that's why I like the sword because, you know, I mean, quite frankly, you know, when we get into a firefight like that, uh, I mean, I've gotten them, you know, literally to the point where I've had them by the neck and I look right into those compound fly eyes of theirs and, and you know, literally listen to the breath go out of them. Jeez. And, uh, you know, I was four inches away from their, you know, little... Face. Oh, man. It was quite satisfying, actually. <laughs> I couldn't wait. Oh, that's incredible. Popped um, him like a zit. <laughs> that's fucking... If that's, it would have fucked up my dog, I would have done the same thing. Oh, so I dude. Well, I, I, see, that's the whole thing with me. I'm a really easygoing person. I'm a nice guy. But it's like, you come and mess with something that's mine that I'm responsible for, and I will... I'm a really easygoing person. I'm a nice guy. I just fantasize about squeezing the life out of an alien life form. I it's it's so good. It's so good. I and the best part of this so that this, you know, we we've been bouncing back and forth between a couple of podcasts and stuff, but this one is so funny to me. The other ones that we listened to were uh, a podcast called Jibber Jabber and there's it's two like Scottish dudes. And this one is two dudes from I think Wisconsin maybe or Minnesota somewhere Ohio. The, 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 oh, Ohio, the, Ohio. The, the podcast is called the Bro Ohio podcast. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, this one is like, you know, they're they're These guys are true believers, man. They're in a room and they have a the poster from the X-Files that I want to believe poster. And they're like the other podcast. There's a part of it, which I just don't think I think it played when we listened to it. I just kind of maybe listener if you go back and listen to it or if you notice it the first time. Uh, but I wasn't paying attention whenever we were playing it just now. But there's a there's a moment when he asks him a question and as he's asking him the question, it's a, it's a particularly ridiculous question. I can't remember which one it is, but he's, he asked him a question about the story and he like, there's like a little bit of a, a quivering in his voice and he almost laughs or he kind of does laugh a little bit. Like he's like, you know, he's just like, uh, I forget what the question is, but just hypothetically, he's like, so, uh, you know, whenever you, uh, hacked the aliens, uh, like he kind of does that. And it could have just been like nervous laughter because he asks him this fucked up question about like murdering an alien. So maybe it was just like nervous. But to me, it read as like he is he like he is not believing this. Like he's he's like, you know, he's interviewing a person that he knows every word that they're saying is is a lie. Whereas these guys like (laughs) they had like their hearts broke when they heard about the dog that died. In this totally true story that all happened, it's, it's no holds barred. Damage. Yeah, no holds barred at that time. You said no. you you said you wouldn't call it blood. I think I I think in one of the things I listened it's not to a you. Transmission fluid. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. You you referenced that it kind of like as transmission fluid. Okay. 
Oh man, transmission fluid. <laughs> yeah, they're like they're so incredulous to made up things that aren't true. Like it's like, oh man, that made up detail that you completely fabricated and just isn't real at all. Oh, crazy. I also that that specific that specific thing also is like his story has kind of changed there a couple times. Like we're gonna talk about it more later, but like. He decapitated one of these fucking creatures. Well, he just said it in this episode. He said he said he wa- he li- he li- heard the breath go out of it, and he said he squeezed it until it popped like a zit. He he already contradicted himself in this ex- already this episode that we're listening to right now. So he said, you know, that it is like uh, transmission fluid or whatever here, but. He, he there's a very famous photo that he posts online a lot where it's a samurai sword that you know it's his samurai sword on the ground surrounded by a viscous brown material that is definitely not just like dried barbecue sauce like definitely not and uh he took the that katana with the dried blood on it to a doctor which we'll get to uh, we'll get to that more in a bit but like it's just it it's so bullshit. <laughs> it's so stupid. I love it. I love it. It's just nasty, and it's acidic as hell. I mean, it'll burn right through just about anything. That's insane. It, the blood will burn right through anything, which obviously he stole from fucking Alien. But he popped it like he held it in his bare hands and popped it like a zit. And he just said that like a minute ago. It's something the world has never seen before, too. That- That's something the world has never seen before, except in Alien, where you got that from. When I'm reading through the like the the, the studies that you you went from, you sent out the samples. They're just like mm-hmm. we don't. It's a smoking gun because we've never. You can't nail it down or say exactly what it is and that's the that's the strange part about it that's well, see, that is, it's it's the opposite of a smoking gun a smoking gun is irrefutable proof of something that can't be denied this is everything about this is circumstantial and just claimed like he, he showed a sword that has brown stuff on it and then he said that an alien has acid blood how is that a smoking gun for anything it's a smoking gun for these guys being fucking idiots the whole thing and that is is that you know this stuff has been uh it's gone around i mean the government's added the the you know there's at least three ivy league universities that have studied it there's two or three of them yeah that's a lie but actually i i think that that what i just said is kind of harsh because uh you know wading through the fucking quagmire that i'm currently wading through like people be- believing that there's fucking aliens that just come to earth and like walk around and just look at you in your sleep and shit is refreshing compared to some of this shit I'm researching right now. So, you know what? If these guys like just want to live this kayfabe of just like believing in this stuff and just live like, just the fun of getting to believe in this and getting to like do this podcast and like buy into this stuff and Exp- ex- uh, exercise a little bit of confirmation bias of just like believing things that don't necessarily make sense because they confirm things that they want to believe like more power to them i i take back what i said about them being idiots i think it's fine now if these dudes are also queuing on go they can go fuck themselves <laughs> yeah i I, this is this is so refreshing to me though because it's such a throwback. Like we we talked about this a lot like early on in the show when we did a bunch of stuff like this, and then we kind of went in a separate direction for a little while. And this story was just so fun that I was like, we gotta we ha- we have to talk about this. 
But this story is a perfect example of like when I was a teenager, how conspiracy theories were fun, you know, like, yeah, no, I, I don't believe that there are windows and portals to another dimension on the Stardust Ranch. And no, I don't believe that John Edmonds has murdered 19 ETs with a katana, but I love that it exists and I'm fascinated. And no, I don't believe that they are actually using those three monitors in the background. (laughs) They've got so many monitors. And they actually all three have useful information that they are actually using and justify having them all hooked up. Yeah, I just I love this story because it is a throwback quaint harmless story where unlike Mark Sargent and unlike QAnon and unlike a lot of other alien stuff that is happening, like reptilians and stuff, this story is just so contained and and like it's like a ship in a bottle conspiracy theory. It's like there's a single farm in a weird small town in middle of nowhere, Phoenix, that that is suffering an alien invasion, but only on like every other Friday. I love it. A retired therapist can single-handedly Rambo them into submission every week. So basically, you know, as we've kind of been talking about, John Edmonds takes up a one-man war on these aliens. He gets a bunch of dogs. He fortifies his farmhouse. He buys a bunch of guns. And he purchases the sword that we've been talking about, a katana. And he, you know, starts, but no cameras. He never thinks to buy cameras. There's no, never thinks to, never, never thinks to set up an elaborate system of uh, security, motion activated security cameras, or even just like walk around with body cams or hook up GoPros to his dogs. Not even an attempt at satisfying that trope of a conspiracy theory. Like there's not even a, there's not even a like, oh, I, here's my video that I got. It's, but like they scrambled the frequencies and all you can see is just a blur, like, like not even an attempt at that. Yeah. And also just for the listener, like he bought that place June 1st, 1996. So they've been there almost 30 years. Never, never even thought about putting a camera up in 30 years after like however many alien invasions and like enough to kill 19 aliens he claims he's killed 19 never a camera and once again that is obviously a very glaring plot hole in this entire story but nobody cares enough to ask yeah nobody's like but what why didn't you ever set up a camera or something like nobody's just nobody's asked that yeah yeah it's because everybody wants to believe it's true everybody wants to hear the story they don't want to think about that side of things because it's fun I would love to hear his reasoning for that. I would, really, I would love to hear his response. Just like, oh, you know, everybody, we're just so inundated with screens nowadays. Everyone's got their face stuck in their phones. I don't want to contribute to that. Like, this is a, this is a, uh, this is a on paper alien invasion. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, but the, the, he basically latches on to this idea that the blood-stained katana was undeniable proof. So, he basically starts going around trying to get people to authenticate this katana as being extraterrestrial, the, the blood on it being extraterrestrial in, in origin. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to talk about what that blood probably was after the break. Hey. 
Hey everybody, my name is Hilsmer Spotchadamon, the Space Hell Demon, and Andrew and Dave are forcing me to- What are you talking about, Hilsmer? Nobody's forcing you to do anything. You literally barged in here in the middle of me recording this promo and insisted that you do it. You said that I sucked at it and you could do it so much better than me. Yeah, exactly. I'm being forced to do it because you suck so much at your job. So anyway, Andrew and Dave are forcing me to get on the microphone today and kind of go over a bunch of the cool, deep cut stuff that's going on right now. So first and foremost, Dave is coming out with a new Pixie Box book which I guess are apparently called comics now, all of a sudden. But uh, yeah, the book is called Everyone is Tulip, and it's coming out June 29th, available in all sh- comic stores and stores in general, I guess. And uh, it's it's written by Dave, and it's drawn by Nicole Gu, and it's colored by Ellie Hall. And it's basically about an aspiring actress who moves to LA to try to make it big, and then she ends up sort of doing these weird experimental performance art YouTube videos and gets mixed in with this sort of identity-shattering underbelly of Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, so that that book is coming out uh, June 29th, and you can actually read the entire thing by going to everyoneistulip.com, where they're releasing the book page by page as a webcomic leading up to the release of it. Also, you can get official Deep Cuts merch by going to deepcutspod.com and clicking on the shop or you can go to bit.ly.com slash deepcutsmerch and you can get t-shirts, you can get hats, you can get coffee mugs, you can get baby onesies. You can also get a Mystery Treehouse Investigation Agency patch that you can put on a backpack or put on your jacket uh, by going to deepcutspod.com and going to the shop. Or you can actually get that at Dave's shop at heydavebaker.com or you can get it at Andrew's shop at dapricerights.com. You should also follow Deep Cuts on YouTube by searching Deep Cuts, where we are going to be releasing some cool, interesting, long-form video in the coming months. You can follow Deep Cuts on Facebook, where Dave and Andrew put out these, like, reaction videos where they watch old movies and kind of react to them. You can also join the Facebook group, which is a group where a bunch of Deep Cuts listeners go to kind of hang out and talk about episodes or talk about random, interesting subjects. A lot of episodes are kind of born in that group. There's a lot of memes that happen there. It seems like a just a fun place for fucking nerds that like this bullshit would hang out. You can follow Deep Cuts on TikTok at Mystery Treehouse, where they do short form explainers. So if there's an idea that's like not long enough or in depth enough to do like a full episode on, they'll do like three minute explainers on TikTok. You can also check out all the different books and projects that Andrew and Dave are releasing on their websites, dapricerights.com and heydavebaker.com, where they put out comics and books and video projects and anything else they're doing outside the Deep Cuts world, such as Dave's books, Fuck Off Squad and Action Hospital, or Andrew's book, Deadbolt AI Private Eye. And finally, if you go to deepcutspod.com and scroll to the bottom to sign up for the mailing list, you'll receive a semi-regular newsletter called the Mystery Treehouse Investigation Agency Circular, which collects all the news and new content that Andrew and Dave are putting out and kind of puts it in one place, as well as provides some more commentary, and maybe in the future there might be some cool behind-the-scenes info that's going to be released there. There. Are you fucking happy? Once again, Hillsmer, you didn't need to do that. You insisted, and in fact, I would have preferred to do it. Is that the thanks I get? Get out of here. Act 2. What's a kayfabe pun that rhymes with extraterrestrial hemoglobin? So, our boy, old dirty Ed Banger-in-Chief, John Edmonds, has his katana. It's got blood all over it. That's definitely not barbecue sauce. And he hooks up with this doctor, this well-known UFO researcher and enthusiast who's well-known for crop signals, crop crop signs. And he he goes to this doctor and he's like, bro, please help me. This doctor's name, W.C. Levengood, who goes by, and I'm not making this up, Lefty. 
William C. Lefty Levengood. And we're going to watch a small interview um, clip from him just so you can kind of get an idea of who Lefty is. And before we start this, when you see this person's face, Andrew, if you would please describe what W.C. Lefty Levengood looks like physically. Uh, he looks like Nega Dr. Zayas. <laughs> He's got hair on all the parts that an orangutan doesn't, and then no hair on all the parts that they do. Basically, he's, he's got male pattern baldness, small wire-framed circular glasses. He's uh, an elderly man, uh, probably, mm, I would say, in his late 70s, early 80s and at this particular juncture. Uh, he's got a chin strap beard where his upper lip is shaved, but the chin strap is tapering down to a point. It's not like the Amish chin strap. It's like if the Amish chin strap watched one cyberpunk movie and dimly remembered what weirdo cyberpunk beards look like and was like, I'm going to get that. And he's wearing a black turtleneck and a white lab coat. He looks like if an old man tried to cosplay as Tony Stark, but he hadn't seen the movie for 30 years. He looks like if Rumpelstiltskin auditioned to be Colonel Sanders. He looks like Wooly Willy if he was really depressed. He looks like that Batman villain, Hugo Strange, if instead of being obsessed with Bruce Wayne and his alter ego, the Dark Knight, he was obsessed with crop signals. He looks like somebody who, in the middle of getting caught by Chris Hansen, would try to recruit him to an MLM. <laughs> He looks like your high school chemistry teacher who was just a little too supportive. He looks like the type of guy that gets caught masturbating in used bookstores. That probably really did happen, honestly. Yeah. Well, now that we've roasted William C. Lefty Levengood for 15 minutes, uh, let's watch this interview so you can all hear what he looks like. This is the interview that was taped for The UFO Trail. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, I, I want to discuss your letter. Uh, I think that there's some things that we should get straight here. Specifically, I would very much like to know about any commonalities you may have identified between evidence of microwave energy sources found within crop circles and the microwave energy sources found in the home of selected abductees. But let me give you some clarification of it. <laughs> Microwave energy is a general term and easily misused. First of all, when you say commonalities, I'm not quite sure what you mean, but microwave energy is found in the homes of select alien abductees. I mean, we get it. He's like a he's a he's a kooky old man who probably has a couple you know That sounded that sounded like one of the audio recordings from Bioshock. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so basically, you know, John goes to him, he's like, Hey bro, will you help me identify this blood and try and prove that it's extraterrestrial? Um, he tests the blood, but then shocker, rum, bum, lefty passes away from mysterious circumstances before he could identify what was in the blood. Mysterious circumstances being that Mr. Levengood was, Dr. Levengood was 88 years old. I don't know how mysterious it is. Yeah, that's kind of like how, that's not like how the uh, QAnon people think that, uh, that Q assassinated uh, George H.W. Bush and John McCain. And it's like, they died under mysterious circumstances 
as the oldest people on earth, the mysterious way these old men with seven types of cancer died had to have been assassinations. Um, you know, and so this kind of, you know, it, it from here, he, he kind of becomes a minor celebrity in this world, in this kind of UFO hunting kind of circuit. You know, he goes to conventions. He, he talks about stuff on podcasts. He writes a book, which we'll talk about in a minute, but the 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 ranch itself kind of becomes more of the local legend than him you know like it's all of the stories are about the ranch and like well, isn't it crazy how there's this like therapist crocodile dundee alien hunter murderer guy out there wow that's weird um but because he gets involved in that world and because he gets some notoriety he's he like starts interacting with other people in that world and things just get even weirder you know we, we i i i have my Greatest hits list of questions if you ever get to sit down with an ET. And so I sat down with my 100 questions, and I sat there and interviewed him for four hours. That's incredible. And then after that, my wife and I walked outside, sat on the uh, the bed of my pickup truck on the tailgate, and these guys proceeded to show us the biggest, most incredible uh, flying saucer I've ever seen <laughs> or ever could have imagined I've seen. I mean, even, you know, in the most drug-induced state of mind, I couldn't imagine something this cool. Oh, my God. Not that I do drugs. <laughs> no, it's fine, man. One of the things you have received, not necessarily something you wanted, but you've received a lot of notoriety and attention for the ranch. And I can, last year, no, it's been a, a couple years ago, I went out to uh, Phoenix uh, for vacation with my wife, like we always do. This motherfucker's going to Phoenix, Arizona on vacation as a, like, 27-year-old man? Like we always do. And her, and her, it's, she's, it's like, it's like an aunt, but she said, hey, you want to go check out this alien ranch? And I said, mm-hmm. I have no fucking clue what you're talking about right now. She said, there's, <laughs> there's a guy just outside Phoenix, and he's got a lot of stuff going on, going on at his ranch. He's, uh, he's had to kill some of these ETs. There's some dark entities. <laughs> Exactly. She didn't say. She didn't. She didn't drop that number, but she said he's had to, you know, kill some ET. I'm like, I have no interest in subjecting myself to that kind of danger. So she's like, All right, right on, man. You do you. But we ended up just going out in the desert and doing peyote that night. So it, it kind of worked out in my in my play, in my in my favor. Well, cool. Well, cool. <laughs> this guy is like the most willing to believe anything said to him ever. His wife is just like. There's a guy out here that he has to fight aliens. And he's like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to get murdered by some aliens. <laughs> like he's, he just believes anything said to him. Sight unseen. Also, like, I don't believe in that shit. And I'm immediately like, uh, yeah, I want to go to the alien infested ranch. But exactly because you don't believe in it. This guy is so believes in it that he actually is like, I don't want to go where there's fucking aliens attacking. That's scary. They could kill me. <laughs> If you knew that they were real, you probably wouldn't want to go anywhere near that place. But like I looked online and maybe, maybe I'll look again right now, but maybe I didn't look hard enough. But I it, I don't think he just like sells. Uh, like, he just, I don't think you can just like go tour the ranch or anything. Of course you can't, because it's, it's all a fucking lie. And you, like, if anybody went out there and looked around, it would be completely disappointing and maybe ruin the illusion. Yeah, yeah. Also, you know, we also haven't talked about the fact that they're raising horses. 
Like, that's what they're spending their time doing. They're raising fucking horses. Also, no one has posted on the Stardust Ranch Facebook page since 2017. So, you know, there's that. Um, they don't have the dedication to the, fa- the kayfabe as uh, old Andrew WK has. Yeah, no shit. They can't keep up that 20-year fucking fucking grift yeah so you know he becomes this kind of local legend he he you know writes this book um which we're going to talk about in a second and um then he start, decides you know a couple years ago he's like you know what i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna sell the ranch now after i've murdered 19 aliens <laughs> i feel like most people would have done that after they were forced to kill one alien but you know whatever um so he's like i'm gonna also like it's just so absurd because he's like tr- he's like trying to sell like ostensibly if his story is to be believed he's trying to sell a spot where hostile aliens are actively invading and attacking every day to just some random innocent person and if he truly believed this stuff was true he would have like he would try to be having like the government come out and ex- inspect it or something like that. Like he wouldn't just be trying to sell it to a random person. If he genuinely believed this was true, you're like essentially cause, cause no, you know, not everybody is a fucking Rambo alien samurai like you that can just like mow them down with your katana. Like you're, you're essentially just putting some unsuspecting person in danger of being murdered and or abducted by aliens. But let's watch this local news video where he tries to sell the sell this ranch. It's so good, man. And ranch. It's a one-of-a-kind piece of property that just went up for sale in Buckeye. And its owner says whoever buys it will likely have a lot of unwelcome guests. Lauren Reimer went to check it out tonight. We have four bedrooms in the house. This seemingly peaceful Buckeye horse property was recently put on the market. We have a 10-foot deep diving pool. According to its owner, John Edmonds, Stardust Ranch also has one quality you won't find anywhere else. Well, we have two alien portals. We have one in the front and one in the back. And through those portals, he says they often get otherworldly visitors. The greys, unfortunately, that we have run into in the house and on the property are anything but peaceful. He says he has the scars to prove it. I've killed 19 of them here on the property. So after 20 years of defending his property from extraterrestrials... They have large, black, bulbous eyes. Edmonds and his wife say it's time to move. It's going to go to somebody that understands the true nature of what's here. The property is listed for... It's going to go to somebody who's willing to sort of keep up this kayfabe grift to simultaneously not discredit me and also sort of pass the torch so that they can try to make money off of gullible people. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's insane. Um, and then he also goes on to appear on Ghost Hunters, which we don't have to fucking watch because fuck Ghost Hunters and Zach Baggins. I hate that guy. Um, but he, he you know, he, he writes this book um, with a guy named Bruce McDonald. And uh, I just want to I just want to look at the Amazon page with you for uh, for it just briefly, kind of like how we did with the uh, the Sophia Stewart page way back when in episode two, three, two, whatever it was. So the name of the book is Stardust Ranch, The Incredible True Story. Um, and uh, oh, shit, we don't, even have, we don't even have to like look at a page. Oh, shit. We get the audiobook sample, bruh. I'm going to play a sample of this audiobook. I hope it's read by him. Since the baseball back to the head incident in the master bedroom. The Greys had been less finicky about materializing. It's just, it's read by some fucking British guy? Once the code is broken, 
once a human being knows what's going on from this three-dimensional reality, they're not so big on keeping the secret anymore, and they really don't care if you see them. I'm not saying they would go out of their way to be seen, it's just that they seemed a lot less preoccupied with being caught in the house. I was in a constant state of vigilance. I had connected the change in pressure around me to the proximity of the greys, even if they had not materialised yet. I had learned how to control my thinking and not allow the influence of these entities to set me into a negative mood. I was looking for a confrontation. I considered the samurai sword to be an act of providence, some great act of fortune, the universe telling me to go to war, so I soldiered. I do apologise for not being able to remember the dates, but remember, this is a story that spans two and a half decades for me. I believe this encounter was sometime around 2007. The story unfolded for me in major events. Once the event happened, the lights in the sky, the disappearing items around the house, Joyce levitating, the marks on our bodies, the animal mutilations, it became a normal part of our experience at the ranch. The only exception was the men in black. They came a second time, but they did not become a regular occurrence at the ranch. One day I was home alone. Joyce was at work. I was comfortably nestled into the sofa with a Pepsi, a Triumph motorcycle gas tank, and several grades of sandpaper. I had machines in the shop do the grinding, but when it got down to the final work, I liked to do it by hand. So sometimes I would set up camp in the living room, lay down some newspaper to catch the grit the sandpaper took off, and relax in front of the television while I did some of the final work on the motorcycle restoration. I felt the pressure change around me. They were close by, but not yet visible. It was at these times I would maintain absolute calm. The key was not to give them any emotional or mental indicators that you are aware of their presence. I had been working on this mental-emotional training for months. It was a Zen state of mind. I do believe they pick up thought patterns, if not outright read minds. Staying calm and focusing on what you were doing and acting like nothing was going on, including even your thinking processes, was key to success. I used my peripheral vision to glance around me. I changed the channel on the television to make them think I was unaware. Sure enough, they appeared. I saw the first one poke his head out. They were in the sunroom, a little glass room we had off to the side of the house. I had a clear line of sight from the living room sofa. It was about 30 feet away. I casually stood and walked to the bedroom. I bent down and grabbed the samurai sword from under the bed. I placed it on the inside of the door frame to the master bedroom. I then went back to the sofa and casually resumed what I had been doing, changing the television channel once again. This was all part of my cover. A couple of minutes later I saw three of them phase into the sunroom. I didn't move right away. I didn't look back, not even with my peripheral vision. After waiting about 90 seconds, I got up and went back to the bedroom. I grabbed the samurai sword. I went down a hallway that hid me. It would bring me out right at the sunroom without them seeing me coming. I unsheathed the sword. I glanced around the corner and the three greys were inside the sunroom. The sunroom screen door was open. I could charge right in with the sword and swing. I took a slow deep breath through my nostrils and charged. My strike was perfect. I cut the head clean off one of the greys. The other two dematerialized immediately. It turns out they cannot dematerialize with the heads cut off. But then where's the body, John? Where's the body, bro? First of all, I realized after listening to that for a few more seconds that it was an Australian accent. 
but also I, I can't tell if that's a real guy or if it's one of those like really good um text to speech programs i honestly don't care because i'm going to buy this book now i'm 100 percent gonna buy that don't buy the audiobook i feel like that would be torture to listen to that i don't know man i think that's kind of hilarious i i'm kind of tempted to just buy that audiobook just to be like and then i charged into the sun room and i just decapitated the gray like i don't know man that's kind of that kind of makes it even better to me you know i i need to bone up on my uh my ufology knowledge but i don't i don't think that the greys are a violent species they're not i mean i mean i mean obviously this is all bullshit but the typical mythology surrounding them is that they are not violent but they are kind of like researcher types they're here experimenting and learning about our culture they're like study and exploration and they don't they're like very specifically non-violent and they they won't engage you in a fight yeah and he constantly refers to them as zeta reticulans um i actually don't remember if that's a part of gray mythology or not but he refers to them that way well that's kind of it's it's interesting because i think a lot of the people in in the in the in the ufology and conspiracy theory and uh cryptozoology community i think the people that really kind of like kind of get their hooks in and kind of become a a staple and a main part of the community they all kind of realize the same thing which is that they kind of have to play by the rules because they all have to have like a shared kayfabe of what's going on but i think there's a lot of people i think i think the tendency is with some people is that it'll seem it'll sound more real or more true if you come up with like very specific very kind of like different than the common tropes details so people will create these stories where like their specific um mythology of how the monsters or whatever the aliens are is like completely different than the common tropes that we know of like when he was talking about how the crafts look like giant Brillo pads or whatever, like that's clearly him trying to like come up with like a little unique detail that makes the story seem more true because it's not stereo stereotypical. That is actually a part of ufology is there's this idea. I forget the name of it, but there's like a, there's like, there's this idea that certain UFOs leave this like kind of silver cobwebby, almost like twine behind them. Oh, I thought he was saying that the ship looked like looked like a giant Brillo pad. No, he was saying that like there are, are these like weird Brillo pad shapes that like are around the property. And he at first he wasn't sure if they were alive or if they were creatures or what they were. And that's kind of like it's I mean, it's the exact same thing that you're saying. It's just built out of a thing. There's a name for that twine that supposedly UFO sightings they leave behind. I don't I don't remember what it's called, but it's whatever the twine is um and but in but his version of that twine is instead of like six foot long strands of weird silver cobwebs it's like a two foot tall brillo pad you know what i mean so it's like it's kind of there but it really feels like he like read a wikipedia article on like alien abductions and was just like all right so we got to do like stuff in our sleep but i don't want anything touching my butt so we're not doing any of that shit and then we got to do like fucking finding some weird twine shit twine's lame how about a brillo pad and then we got to do like little alien guys fuck it they're gonna be angry though these are gonna be badass guys they're gonna like attack us it really is like he did like a like an alien encounter story but in all the parts in those stories where the person is sort of made vulnerable in some way 
or is like brutalized or harmed, he replaced it with, and then I chopped his head off with a fucking sword, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, so he's a therapist, right? He's someone who supposedly has spent his whole life living in people's issues and, and trying to help them untangle the self, right? And he lives, he's lived a life that is founded on introspection and emotional vulnerability and um, a deconstructing of societal preconceived notions about individuals' roles in the greater whole. And then he retires and he's just like, yeah, I just want to be Rambo. Yeah, I don't give a shit about that. I'm going to just like murder some aliens. How about that? That'd be cool. I don't want to have to think about crying anymore. I want to be, I want to be a badass. Yeah, and just like a a story that is free of any kind of complexity. Like there's no, like I overcame an issue or like I dealt with weakness and like transformed it into strength. Like, no, it's just like these aliens came and I just like fucking murdered them all, motherfucker. Like day one, I got their number. I fucking popped that little piece of shit's head like a zit. And like for some reason, my skin wasn't affected by the acid blood. And I was like, I, I, I drank it. I, I just I go I I tipped him over into my mouth like a like a twenty ounce bottle of soda and I just guzzled that shit. That Pepsi can that I was drinking while I was smoothing that respirator whatever for that motorcycle. Uh, that was actually just alien jizz in there. It wasn't even Pepsi. Yeah, I was drink drinking a big old bottle of alien jizz. <laughs> I just want to before we move on from his book, I just want to point out that there are. 207 reviews of his book. Yeah, I was going to say this. I was like I was like, yeah, his uh his book is almost uh, review-wise almost as almost as big as uh as Deep Cuts. Yeah. Um let me see or ratings rather. It's got it's got 207 ratings. 65% of which are 5 star, 15% of which are 4 star, 8% of which are 3, 4% are 2, and 8% are 1. Um <laughs> The top review is one star, and it's titled, A Poorly Written Ridiculous Story. The text of the review... I just left that review. <laughs> the, the, the text of the review is, what happened at this ranch? What didn't happen at this ranch? Aliens appearing in the house, UFOs floating around the property, the wife regularly floating in her sleep, evil doppelgangers of the husband and wife appearing to each other, animal mutilation on a regular basis, demonic voices here and there and everywhere, a regular parade of all kinds of entities on their property, including men in black and mysterious creatures. Oh, wait, do you have one believable photo of this strangeness? Of course we don't. This book seems to be a mishmash of everything the author has ever heard of a 40 in nature woven into a personal amazing story. It's poorly written as well. Do not waste your time. Yeah, we haven't we didn't really talk about the doppelganger thing or the fact that Joyce like levitated in her sleep. Um, there's all he also like towards the end of their time as he was trying to sell it. He claimed there were ghosts there, too. Like, yeah, the second review is worst book I've ever read. My BS meter was off the chart. Don't spend your money on this fictional story. And it's so funny to me that these people, these people have these one star reviews and they've like are just ranting about how, how much bullshit this is. But it's, it's funny to me that like they went into the book thinking that it was going to be true and then reading it were like, Oh, this is bullshit, which is, that's just funny to me that they were like, 
when the, going into that, they were like, I'm about to read some real shit. And then they're like, oh, no, this is this isn't true. Like, but what would it have needed to be for them to believe it? Like, what? it, it makes you wonder, like, it probably it probably didn't need to. They probably didn't need to go that much further for these people to believe it. Like, I don't think these are like like it's, this is not like you reading this book and then leaving a one star review because you're shocked that you that it was bullshit. Like these are people who like all they needed was like a picture in the book and they would have believed it like a shitty Photoshop. Like that's all they needed. Yeah. Um. The next one is the next review is titled. He killed a dozen aliens and not one picture. And then the one after that. One of the text is a uh, dude cuts off a gray's head with a samurai sword because they're impervious to 7.62 uh, meter, millimeter bullets from an AK-47 bulletproof, but not knife proof with four exclamation points. Yeah, that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, he, he that's another contradiction. He says that they're bulletproof, but then he can just he can. It's not even the fuck the sword. He said he could pick them up and physically with his bare hands pop them like a zit yeah yeah this is just so so stupid and then the funniest thing is all these people that are like but but you you gotta love the five-star reviews though because the the first five-star review a fascinating truth of how things really are guys what are we doing what are we doing usually when i pick up a book that interests me i read for a while and set it down once i started reading this book i couldn't set it down This book was a confirmation to many things from my own life, though I have not told very much of my experiences to others. The experiences of John and his wife Joyce are very similar to many, many peoples of this earth who are more afraid of what people think than they were from what they themselves experienced. Maybe now more than maybe now more people will feel a little more comfortable in coming forward to tell their true experience. Like John, I really do not care what people think of me when I relate some of the things I personally have seen, even though this whole review clearly indicates that i do care and that's very much something that's on my mind so one of the aspects of this that we haven't talked about is his explanation for why these aliens are there he's got two possible explanations one is that i love uh, just just really quickly i, I love because like that guy and then this other review the review after it another five-star review that says wow the truth at last um and then the next review it makes a lot of sense I think it's funny that like when people buy into these conspiracy theories, they're so insecure about number one, believing them like they're not they're in the back of their mind. They're not fully convinced like in the back of their mind. There's something being like, you know, this isn't true. Like you're this isn't fucking true. And they're so and they're also self-conscious of people thinking that they're crazy for believing it. And they're so concerned and they're so they're so self-conscious about believing this thing that they have to constantly like say it out loud like they have to constantly say like this is the truth like when's the last time you ever like read a a non-fiction book and went wow that was true like that's not that's not a reaction you have to reading some like a non-fiction thing you don't loudly point out how true it was but these people these people that's like this is a this is a commonality between all these things you you hear people constantly in in these conspiracy conspiracy theory circles just they they're constantly talking about how these things are the truth because they're so insecure about believing them because they at the back somewhere in the back of their mind they don't they they know that they're not true i mean that's what uh that was my first thought when i walked out of steven spielberg's lincoln i turned to my friend and i said that was true you no not 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 worthy of a chuckle no the the internet went away the 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 fucking men in black got got to us yeah they don't want us they don't want us talking about this 
Uh, it's okay. That that joke wasn't that good anyway. Um, yeah. So basically, you know, the 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 final kind of like his explanation for why this is happening is he he believes that there are these kind of like portals or windows, almost kind of like a a hell mouth in Buffy, where the the greys are using these some sort of dimensional or or temporal wormholes to travel and there are these portals around their property and that's why they keep showing up except that whereas in buffy it actually makes zero sense why only the scooby gang would be aware of all of the um demonic um and supernatural events going around because there's too much of it happening for people to be able to turn a blind eye to it like every time that something happens, people rationalize it and then kind of move on. But if this was happening every day, like it does in that show, there would be it would be impossible for all those people to just continue to reject it. Like within a week, people would be like, this town has got some fucked up shit in it. Let's get out of here. But whereas in that it's that way in this way, it's like oh, nobody cares and nobody notices anything because nothing is happening. You would think that if there was a constant weekly struggle between man and alien, an ongoing alien invasion where these aliens were coming through portals in this one specific place and constantly attacking over and over again, that at least one other person besides our boy would have experienced it at some point. You'd think, but you'd be wrong. Yeah, I mean, clearly. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, let's uh, let's wrap this baby up, Papa Price. Um, what are your thoughts? Why is he doing this? What are his goals? Why why spend 30 years pretending to be Alien Rambo? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's co- some combination of what I kind of said earlier that, like, just got bored ha- being retired and just like, it's just like, this is a this is a new thing to do. It's it's really hard to put your finger on because, you know, there's really no, like, just taking, for instance, the QAnon stuff, like, that stuff is, like, just as, if not crazier than this, but it kind of makes sense why somebody would go deep into that rabbit hole and buy into that stuff and believe it because there's sort of, like, a, there's, like, a benefit to it. There's a, there's a goal or an ulterior motive or something that incentivizes them to believe in it and go further and further whereas like like i said like i kind of said before this kind of reminds me of andrew wk a little bit where it's like yeah it made sense to have that character and continue that performance art in the first couple years when he was really big and famous but once he stopped being famous and his like celebrity kind of boiled down to just his devoted fan base you got it you got to ask yourself like what why is he still doing it? Why is he still keeping it up? Like, who is he doing it for? He's pretty much just doing it for himself at this point. Like, it just it, like seems like why would you keep that act up when nobody cares anymore? Um, like, you're not famous enough for anybody to even be paying attention to you. And your fan base, like, they're a fan of your music. They don't even they don't even like notice or care or, or pay attention to the performance art thing. They just think you're like this really nice guy who makes positive music. So it's like, who are you doing this for after after fucking 30 years? Who are you doing this for or 20 years? Um, And it's it's this is kind of similar where it's like, what like what is what is the goal? What is the benefit other than boredom? And also like kind of in that way where, you know, we've talked about this on the show before on some other episode. I kind of forget. But 
these people who are just like, oh, I'm, you know, I was a, I was a dentist for, for 20 years. And I just realized at some point that I was just dissatisfied with this path I've taken. I'm, I just, I'm not fulfilled by being a dentist. I make a lot of money, but I just, I'm just like so bored and unfulfilled and dissatisfied by just my life. I want to, I want to take a crack at being a screenwriter. And that like, that ha- that's like a, that's a common story where you have these like, 50 year old doctors who like try to get like become a screenwriter or an actor or whatever. And sometimes it works. Like that's literally what Ken Jong did. Ken Jong was like a doctor. He was like a surgeon and he was like, I don't want to be a fucking surgeon. I want to be an actor. I want to be a comedian. And then he did it, but that doesn't usually happen. Usually it's just like some fucking dude who like pays a bunch of money to have someone make like a demo reel for him. And then like 10 people see it. Um, and so, you know, this could be that this, this could be a version of that where like, but instead of becoming a screenwriter or trying to become a comedian or whatever, he was just like, I'm going to become like a weird, like conspiracy figure. I'm going to become one of those famous people who just like everybody knows as like one of the chess pieces on this conspiracy theory board. I mean, aside from that, I don't really know what he could want from this. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really don't. Because it's not like there's a lot of money in it, aside from those 207 reviews on Amazon for his, you know, audiobook. It also just, it just doesn't seem like it's worth it, though. Like, it seems like in order, I mean, maybe he, like, called up his friends and family and were like, yo, you're going to hear some crazy shit about me. It's all part of the plan. I'm just playing a character. I'm doing this long-term performance art piece. That doesn't really seem like this guy, though. Like, he just seems like somebody who was either very lonely or dissatisfied with his life having not been particularly seen you know like he was just kind of like i want to i want to be the center of attention now how do i do that as a dude living in buckeye i guess i'm gonna be fighting some aliens now yeah or maybe all therapists are liars i'm dave baker and i'm andrew price this has been deep cuts you can find me at heydavebaker.com or uh in comic book stores everywhere please go buy my book Everyone is Tulip. It's about a young actor who moves from Los Angeles or Arizona to Los Angeles and gets sucked up into the high stakes world of YouTube performance art. It's published by Dark Horse. You like Hellboy. You like The Goon. You like Black Hammer, right? This book is not like any of that, but... Those books are not like (laughs) any of those things. It's very different. But Mike Mignola himself has said that it's the greatest comic of the 21st century. He didn't say that. That was a lie. He's talking about Hellboy. Yeah, Hellboy, Hellboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, please, please pick up the book. It's written by me, illustrated by Nicole Gu of Shadow of the Batgirl fame and colored by Ellie Hall. You can find it wherever comic books are sold. Or if you want to read it for free, you can do so at everyoneistulip.com. This book is like, is exactly like Hellboy. If you went back in time to before Hellboy was made and you're like, okay, we're going to go back in time and we're going to, we're going to make Hellboy. But then primer style, a series of events kept happening that kept like messing up the time stream as you were going back in time and you kept having to loop back to fix it. And then eventually the constant time travel scrambled your brain and you were bleeding out of your ears and you couldn't write anymore. And you, and you're, you're, you got this sort of brain damage and you forgot what you were doing. You forgot the whole mission and you were like, we were supposed to be doing something, right? And you're like, yeah, I think we were supposed to like make a book or something like that. 
And like, yeah, we were, oh yeah, we were supposed to like come back and like make a book that was really popular, but like us do it instead. And then Nicole was like, do you remember what it was? And he's like, I don't know something and then you and they're like oh uh let's just let's just do it and then see what happens and then this is this is what this is it's exactly like hellboy if that happened yes yeah absolutely if we both forgot that we loved pulp adventurers and monsters and decided you know what let's make a comic about sad influencers in los angeles instead yeah so if you like things like neon demon snot girl or uh ingrid goes west you should pick up everyone's tulip Andrew, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me mowing down an endless onslaught of extraterrestrial scum with my samurai sword, just decapitating them left and right. I turn left, I parry a, 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 a oncoming attack, stab the alien through its skull, pull my sword out just as I duck to miss a swipe from a alien on my right, and then I impale it through its you know its torso with my with my sword and then swipe upward to split its head in half and then i take down a whole group of five of them by slight one slice of my katana that just halves all of them and not a single time throughout this entire process does any of them touch my butt (laughs) and you can also find me at dapricerights.com where you can get my book deadbolt ai private eye you can also get some deep cuts merch. You can get some t-shirts. You can get some hats. You can get some coffee mugs. Buy the coffee mugs. Buy the fucking coffee mugs. People are buying shirts. People are people are buying hats. You guys need more coffee mugs. I want to see some fucking mugs. Show me your mugs. Get a deep cuts mug. Put it in its natural environment. Put it on your workspace. Take a picture. Come to the deep cuts Facebook group and post it. I want to see your deep cuts mugs. I made a post the other day being like, show me your coffee mug. It was a honey pot. Dozens of people on our Facebook group posted pictures of their mugs. Wasn't a, there wasn't a single Deep Cuts mug. It was a fucking, it was a psyop. It was a psyop, motherfuckers. I see you now. I see that you aren't supporting the Deep Cuts mugs. And you know what? Buy a fucking mug. Don't fuck around. Don't bullshit. Nope. Buy that mug, baby. But you can get those. You can go, you can go to, uh, you can go to deepcutspod.com and you can click on the shop or you can just go to bitly.com slash merch to get uh, some of our sweet, sweet merchandise. Um, and you can also get our uh, a Deep Cuts, or a Mystery Treehouse Investigation Agency patch um, on um, my website or Dave's or deepcutspod.com. It's in a separate area because it's it's some a separate thing that we make and sell on our own. Uh, you can become a, a junior, jun- sleuth. junior sleuth in the Mystery Treehouse Investigation Agency. Deep Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content. The incidental music for this episode was created by the Dead Boy Detectives. 